0: and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I chat to master swimmers from around the world about their swimming journey. Today's guest is known as the Salty Swimmer and he's achieved the triple crown in ocean swimming, Craig Lewin. We find out all about Craig's journey to open water marathon swimming and coaching there are many great takeaways here for all master swimmers. And if you are considering an open water marathon swim, this is the podcast for you.
1: There you, go, Bob.
0: Hi, Craig. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm uh, well, thank you. Where are you coming to us from today?
1: I'm coming from Boston. We're getting ready for a snowstorm. Then uh, we'll be hitting up the ocean for some ice swimming on Sunday. So it's, uh, oh, wow. yeah, perfect timing.
0: Ocean. In the ocean.
1: Yeah. So it doesn't get, the the sand will get icy, but the ocean freezing, the freezing temps a little bit lower, so it will be cold, but it won't quite freeze over.
0: Yeah. What temperature does it go down to? Uh,
1: it will get down to about 28 Fahrenheit, okay. so 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So n- negative two Celsius, Celsius around there. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: pretty cold. So wetsuits, um, booties and got no wetsuits.
1: I don't wear a wetsuit my team my squad wears they wear wetsuits booties gloves neoprene cap like you name the neoprene it's on their body but for me uh, I I don't I don't go with the wetsuit
0: okay wow that's amazing so how long are you in that water without a wetsuit
1: Uh, it depends how I'm feeling but anywhere from like 10 to 30 minutes so it, it really just depends
0: yeah awesome Let's take it back to the beginning of your swimming. How did you first um, get introduced to swimming and what age were you?
1: So I, my, my parents threw me into some lessons like super early, uh, probably like, I don't know, four or five, um, just did the swim lessons, took swimming at camp. And then um, I was kind of like a late swimmer. I didn't start competitive swimming until I was almost 14. So okay. I was like 13 or 14 years old. And um there was a, a free trial at, at a local, uh, club near us. And I, my parents like, you're going to swim. You're, you're overweight. You, everyone says you're a good swimmer. So you're going to swim. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to swim. So I went, did the, the, the free trial for the couple months. And I, I guess I kind of fell in love with it. It's it, it, when you're, when you're decent at something, it's easy to get hooked to it. Cause then you just keep getting better and better and better and rising up. So for me, it was, uh, I was, a I started as like a, a small fish in a, in a small pond, and then, you know, started growing bigger and bigger and, and going into different, uh, avenues within swimming. But, um, it basically started cause I was a, a chubby kid and I needed a, an outlet.
0: <laughs> I love what you've just described there as like, like that self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, you, you get something, you have a little bit of success and it drives you further forward. And I think that's a, a great thing about swimming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for anyone, it's, it's nice to be good at something and when you are lucky enough to find it at a young age, it really, I think that's probably why I didn't burn out in the sport. It was, I started a little later and just kept finding a little bit of success and, and looked at the, you know, the small wins versus focusing on like the major wins. So it was a lot easier to continue to be motivated um, at least for me. But, but then I had friends who started super young, made gains very quickly And then plateaued around the time I was starting to really pick things up and, you know, they, they burned out and, and, and I think any sport, um, they, there's peaks and valleys and some people find a way through it and others, others don't, and they move on to other endeavors.
0: Yeah, true. Talk us through your, um, college swimming experience. Where did you go to college and what was it like swimming, um, at college?
1: So I went to Boston College. It's a it's a Division I program. Uh when I was there, and I still think this is the case now. Uh it the the, the women's side was scholarship team, the men's side was not. So a lot of the recruiting was done just because it's a, a really it's a good school for uh ed- a- academics. So when you go there, you're not going to become an Olympian, you're going there to get an education. Um, but it was it, it was a really good experience. I think I met a lot of my my best friends were during that time that I've actually stayed in touch with. And and some of them even carried over into my, my open water career, but um, it was, it was different. Like I, it went from like, when you swim in high school, it's about, it's a, or club swimming, it's about making cuts. Like you're making, you know, certain, certain sectional cuts or, or senior cuts or national cuts. So it's always about you versus the clock and, and when you get to a, you know, a certain level, like for me, I was never at that level of, of winning the Olympics or winning a national meet or anything like that. But I think to a certain degree, it's more about hitting those times and continuing to achieve those times. And then I think where I struggle was I really enjoyed that, that intrinsic push to get better for myself, to get a faster time. And for me, it was never about winning a heat or winning a race. It was always that push. And when you when I, when I made the jump to collegiate swimming time didn't really matter anymore. It was more, you got to score, you got to score points, winning heats, winning, winning events was where it was at. And for me, that was like a really hard mental shift because I'm competitive, but I'm super competitive with myself and I'm hard on myself and, and and winning, although it's super nice and, and motivating, I can't control what other people do. And I can only control what I did. So I actually really, I had to change my, my, my thinking to like, what is it going to take to win a heat or win an event or, or, or or just score, you know, what, what is the time going to be to, to score? And I think I had to shift my mental focus around hitting those times versus worrying about what other people are doing in the lanes next to me. And I know if like, I'm in that, that time range, I'm going to, to, um, be in the mix and hopefully score the points necessary but it truly goes from like a more individual sport to a team sport which is is really cool because you have you know you go to a club meet and all your friends are cheering for you but now they're cheering for you because they need you to score points so that you can win the meet as a team and and improve your record so um that was a hard jump for me mentally uh the time commitment is is so different i think when you at least in the U S when you go to college, like it's the first time you're living on your own. You have to balance your class schedule. Like you're pretty much an adult at that point. So, so if you haven't had those experiences, you have to learn to do that plus swim and train 20 hours a week. Plus, get your homework done. Plus get your, whatever other work you're doing done and, and balance it all. So, um, where I was going more for education than than to be like an Olympic swimmer, which I don't even think I had the talent to do. Uh, um, it was it was very easy to prioritize. It, it became very much like no, no no we have to get the grades first because swimming at the time i'm like well swimming's not going to be my career and obviously as my life progressed things changed a bit but um at the time i was like you know i'm going to do economics and sociology and and follow this path um but but swimming in college was an incredible experience to to meet the people i've met um in like that i got to swim with every day and to be able to look up to the seniors as a freshman to then become the seniors that other freshmen were looking up to and And what was cool, I think about the program was some of the seniors you looked up to and the people you looked up to weren't the fastest swimmers. They were the people putting in the work who were working, you know, they were putting in the effort. And even if the time didn't show, like those are the people, at least for me that I looked up to. And I wanted, I wanted people to look up to me for that. Like, doesn't matter what's thrown your way. Like you find a way through it. Um, so it it was a great experience, but when it was over, I was definitely happy to get back into that life of, okay, I want swimming to be about me and hitting certain times and less about winning. Uh, so that was, you know, I guess in a nutshell, my, my collegiate career, um, it was great. And I, I think anyone who is able to swim in college, no matter division one, two, three, whatever it is, I think they should, because it's, it's a different, it's a different perspective you gain. Um, and, and it, and it really actually helps when you start entering the job for like the, the, the workforce, a lot of people, like I got interviews and I got hired at jobs because I was a collegiate athlete because they're like, you, you know, discipline, you know how to balance, you know how to prioritize, so you learn all these life skills while you're also developing as, as an adult. So you, you learn certain skills and, And it's also one of the only times that you really get to focus on swimming almost full time. So it's, if you're going to make that jump and try to make national teams or Olympics or, or, or junior national teams, whatever it is, that's a great time to do it because you have so many less obligations or fewer obligations than when you leave college. And it's like, okay, now I have to pay for college, which is not cheap in the U S and also, you know, get a job, support myself. And have all this these other stressors that will certainly impact performance
0: yeah yeah absolutely and when you when you left college did you have some time out of the water or did you pivot straight into open water swimming from there
1: so i pivoted to triathlon um i did a little bit of marathon swimming my freshman year and sophomore year uh i was just like a i just love the distance i love the grind um but when I left, when I, my junior year, I started getting involved in triathlon, and it was something I was a decent runner, picked up the bike pretty well, and obviously the swimming—you don't have to be a good swimmer to be like a phenomenal triathlon swimmer. <laughs> so it was—it was very easy. Where it's like, oh, it swims, just a warm up, no big deal. Uh, but I was doing triathlon, so I was out of the water in the sense that I wasn't training you know, six days a week doing doubles. I was training three to four days a week and then adding in the bike in the run as well. So, um, I did that for, for a few years. Uh, I, unfortunately my career was cut short. Uh, I was out on a training bike ride and I was hit by a car. Oh. Um, and yeah, so that kind of took me out of, yeah. uh, the sport, uh, for a while and, and, and from there, I found I, I, I found my love for swimming again and marathon swimming. And and it, it took a whole new shape for me.
0: Yeah. Wow. What were your injuries that you sustained? Can I ask? If yeah.
1: That- yeah. So I, I lost a bunch of teeth. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it was not a pretty, a pretty accident, but uh, I ended up needing surgery on my patella because my patella had shattered. I had broken my jaw in several places and. Uh, I was lucky, I guess, cause I was strong and the doctor's like, yeah, you fell perfectly. It was just unfortunately on your face and on your knee. So you, you didn't come out unscathed completely, but, uh, it could have been so much worse. I mean, I, you know, you, people dying, paralyzed. So to, to have a, a shattered kneecap and some broken teeth and a broken jaw was not the worst thing in the world.
0: No, oh, it sounds pretty bad. How long did it take to recover from that?
1: Uh, it, it took, I mean, with the rehab, I had to have surgeries. It probably took about a year till I got back to like, you know, the initial injuries, like I could live fine. It was more to get back into sport. It took me probably a solid year. And then when I came, I came back to triathlon and it was, it wasn't the same for me. I was so nervous on the bike. Like I was, you know, you'd you'd see a car. 200 meters away and you'd be like slamming on your brakes because you were scared it was going to hit you. So it just, for me, it was like, this isn't fun and it's becoming super dangerous. So let's find a sport that I can enjoy and not get hit by a car in.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So open, open water swimming or marathon swimming obviously was your calling. Um, And you've completed the triple crown, which is an amazing achievement. Talk to us Thank a little you. bit about the triple crown. What attracted you to? Did you start off thinking you were going to do all three, or you started off with the first one? How did that all come about?
1: Yeah, it was. I so I, I mean, a little a, a backstory is um, so a couple of years out of college, uh, I I had started coaching some swimmers, and uh, one of them was training for the English Channel, and he was like, "Come with me and be my support swimmer." So that was like in two thousand. I think 2012 maybe, uh, around that time period. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be awesome. Like I, I got into open water swimming cause I read Lynn Cox's book, swimming from Antarctica. And that's why I started swimming in the, uh, doing open water swimming and marathon swimming. And, and I'm like, let's do this. This is gonna be great. I'm, I'm pumped. And I got there and it was horrible. Like it, cool. it, it was like the guy. So the guy coach made it across, which was awesome. Like that's what we we're there for. I was, I was not prepared for the colds. Like it was just super angry water. It was cold water. It was rough. I had never been seasick before on a a boat and I was seasick for like 24 straight hours. It was, so I left that and I'm like, I am never doing the English channel. Like I want nothing to do with this. (laughs) So that was 2012. And then, uh, so I I had been coaching, doing triathlon, um, basically just staying fit, but not really training for anything. And then in 2017, I was like, you know what, I, I've i coached so many people to achieve their life goals, whether it was like English Channel or doing an Ironman or even just doing a sprint triathlon or a mile of water swim. And I'm like, I, I need to do something. I'm getting inspired by my swimmers. I need to be like practice what I preach. So um, I'm like, what is a challenge that I could do everything perfect and still fail? And to me, that was the Catalina Channel. So that was the first one I had. Um, I had on my list. I had no intention of going for any of the others. So, I, you know, I, I I linked up with a, a a coach named Dan Simonelli. He's he's very well known in the the open water community, but especially in like the the Southern California area. He's done Catalina himself a bunch of times. So, it was more I needed like accountability, and I didn't want to like be second guessing my training by constantly thinking about, is this too much? Is this not enough? Should I rest? Should I not rest? I'm like, this is my first like 20 mile swim. I I need some help. Um, so for me, I I started it as a way to, I was inspired by my athletes and I wanted to show them like, Hey, I, I practice what I preach, but I also wanted a goal that I didn't want something easy. Like I wanted something that you could do it all right and still fail for, you know, a myriad of reasons, like weather, hypothermia, injury, whatever it is. Um, so, and Catalina was a bit more affordable because I didn't have to travel to England or I didn't have to travel and, and have to deal with a lot of the logistics. I still had to travel a little bit, but, um, it, it, it just seemed like a really solid goal for me. So that's how it started. And I finished it and I, I had some, some, some shoulder issues throughout the swim and, it didn't go great, but I almost enjoyed it more because it didn't go perfectly. Like you appreciate it more when you have to work for it. Uh, and then like maybe a month later, I was like, I don't really want to do another one, but I'm going to let, the, I'm going to let fate do the, 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 the work for me. Uh, and what I mean by that is so 20 bridges is the 20 and a half mile circumnavigation around um, Manhattan, New York, but you have to apply to get in. And they prioritize people who are finishing the triple crown. I didn't have a huge race resume or swim resume. I had the Catalina channel and a couple 25 K's from when I was in college. I'm like, I'm probably not going to get in, but I'll apply anyway. Uh, So, so I applied thinking I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to worry, but at least I gave it a shot. And then I got the email that I got in and I was like, okay, well, I guess we're (laughs) doing, I guess we're doing 20 bridges. Uh, So obviously spent the year training for that. Um, and then, you know, I finish it and I was like, I still had this fear of the English channel. Like, I, it's scary. I don't want to do it. I'm not ready for it. Uh, I had been back since with another, uh, so, as a support server for another, another person. I'm like, I, I three or four years. later, I'm like, I still don't want to do it. So when the time came, I finished and I'm like, all right, I'm going to write to Bo captains. And if I somehow get a spot, I will, I will, I, it's fate. I have to do it. And so I did that. And, and, and it all worked out I got a, I got a really good spot on a boat I wanted and I'm like, well, I guess we're doing this. So, uh, I kind of fell into the triple crown, but you know, once, you know, once I did the first one, I was like, it was always in the back of my mind. It was like, all right, well, maybe I should just do it. And, and, and I'm glad I did because I think it's opened up a whole new world of, of people I've met people I get to coach experiences. Like I've learned a lot about myself as a swimmer, um, and as a person, like there's, you don't go through three years of training for, for big swims like this without going through some tumultuous times and you have to find a way through it. So it was even though it kind of like happened haphazardly, it was totally worth it. And every summer I coach now, I'm like, you're doing Catalina, you're doing 20 Bridges, you're doing English Channel. Like it's happening. It, it's, it's, it's happening. That's the plan. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> what was the hardest of the three? What did you find?
1: You know, they were all hard for different reasons. Um, I actually think... So Catalina was hard because it was my first long one. So like mentally, I was just so scared. You start at 11 PM and you swim through the night. Like that's just how the swim goes. Uh, So I done a little night swimming, but not like, like 10 hour night swimming. (laughs) So there, you know, and there's, there's, there's a lot of very scary Marine life in, in that, in that swim. Um, So And I was dealing with a shoulder injury at the time, and I had not, I had to take a few weeks off leading into the swim. So just my confidence was like at an all time low. And then I had struggles with my shoulder throughout the swim. So like Catalina, I think was my hardest and most rewarding. Um, 20 bridges, I think was challenging because the water temp was significantly warmer than anything I trained for. So I was actually having like hydration issues because the water temp was high seventies. I've been training for low sixties. And that is like, I'm overheating. I'm like dying. It was, and and it was also. It's not set. It's not a race, but it's set up where people go at the same time. And like, I hate like since I've been doing marathon swimming, like I don't do it because of competition. Like I actually think competition is a hindrance to me, and and I think a lot of swimmers like it's about the challenge for yourself and finishing. It's not about beating other people. Um, and that's my take on it. There's obviously other swimmers out there who are breaking records and, and that's just not me, but I think I got, it got in my head like a little too much where like I'm overheating and I'm racing people on this like seven and a half hour swim. So I kind of blew up a little bit and just went through some struggles. So that was hard. And then after those two English channel was like a cakewalk. I got a really nice day. I got to start at like six in the morning. So I swam through most of the day. I didn't swim at night at all. Like I was done before sundown. And so for me, English Channel was like, wow, I, this was like the easiest swim when it should have been like the hardest one of them all, but it it just didn't work out that way for me.
0: Wow. That's, that's a great, yeah. I love hearing about all that. What, what's one thing that you wish you'd known if you were telling yourself this before you'd done you some, what's one thing you wish you'd known before you did those three that you could for someone about to attempt one of those swims? I
1: think for me it, what I what I I think an English channel was so easy because of what I had learned in the first two. Um the dry land routine is crucial it's, it's not just about swimming. So the dry land routine is crucial. And that's a big one where I was doing dry land, but it was the wrong dry land. Um, and and what I mean by that is like, it, it has to be something that you enjoy doing because if you don't enjoy doing it, it's not sustainable and you won't maintain it through your training. And that is exactly what happened. I tried doing what I used to do in college, like more traditional, like weight training and, and yoga for stretching, but I hated it. Like I don't like traditional weightlifting and that was a big part of my problem. So I think making sure that it, whatever you do is sustainable, um, is, is a big one. Getting your key long swims in is also super important. Um, and then picking your crew is, is probably the third most important, uh, I guess, aspect of this, because if you fail a swim, it's because you did not train your crew and you didn't pick your crew properly. It, it's not you didn't fail because of your crew. You failed your crew. And I think it's not, I think a lot of the times the swimmer wants to be the victim when, and and blame their crew. And that's like the exact wrong response to have. So being very cognizant of who's going to be on your boat, making sure they have roles, what their roles are, making sure that they know the roles and your expectations of them and being very clear is, I think those are probably the three things that I learned from the first swim to the third swim That really, um, that that really helped me. And I had, I had known more about it in the first, like Catalina might've been a totally different swim for me than it ended up being. Uh, So I think that's probably the three that I, I also talk to swimmers about the most as well as, I know you can swim. We're not, swimming's not the problem. The distance isn't the problem. It's everything else that's going to be the problem for you.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Really good advice. I think great takeaways from that. Did you encounter any sort of marine life? I know that obviously it's out there a lot. Did you, uh, many jellyfish, anything like that
1: along the way? So, yes. Uh, uh, so Catalina was awesome because Catalina, I don't know if you've seen pictures or anyone who does, who's into marathon swimming, who's done some research, like, at some point in that swim, dolphins are going to swim with you, wow. like as you get closer to land. So like, there's a bunch of pictures of dolphins kind of swimming alongside the boat and stuff. And like, you're swimming and all you see is a dorsal fin. And you're like, is it going straight or is it undulating? Because <laughs> they're two very different animals if it's undulating versus straight. So uh, there were dolphins, uh, definitely uh, jellyfish in in um, Catalina and English Channel. There's tons of jellyfish. I think in training, there's there's always jellyfish for me. There's always Marine life for me, but you almost enjoy it a little bit. Um, Like getting stung by a jellyfish is very like grounding. And if you're having it, if you're struggling, you almost like, Oh, awesome. I got stung by a jellyfish. So I can think about this burnt, like this burning sensation versus how bad I feel. And Mm -hmm. then by the time the burning goes away, 10 minutes later, you're like, Oh, I'm out of my funk. I'm good to go. So it's almost like you look forward to, to getting stung here and there, but. And then I guess in the English channel, my dad was, my dad's my crew chief. He right. was telling me, I guess a, a porpoise or something was following me for like, for like a half hour or something. But uh, other than that, it's been pretty, pretty uneventful. So uh, just the standard jellyfish.
0: <laughs> I think we can all live without them, but yes, they're out there, aren't they?
1: <laughs> they are. You just don't think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, try not to. So in your work as an open water coach, how many swimmers do you have um, that you help um, over the week?
1: So right now I have about 20 swimmers on my roster, uh, about 15 of them are channel swimmers and then the rest are triathletes. Uh, I used to coach mainly triathletes, but as I got more accomplished in the open water world, um, more people sought out my help just because I had experienced what they want to experience. And, and I think it's, it's not, I don't think it, I don't think it makes you a better coach if you've done the swims, but I think it makes you more relatable with your athletes. Like if, if you've done the swim, Um, you know what it feels like to be out there for 11, 12, 13 hours, where if someone who's never swum for, for 13 hours, they can't relate to it. So they can't tell you how, how bad you're going to feel, how good you're going to feel and how to help you get through it. Uh, so a lot of the athletes who've reached out to me that I ended up coaching, they wanted someone who's done it for that very reason of, I'm not scared of the distance. I'm scared of the cold. I'm scared of the mental training. I'm scared of this or that. And I need someone to guide me through it. Um, so I, I've definitely shifted more of my focus towards towards marathon swimmers. Um, but I still always hold some spots for triathletes because they, they need help too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's your philosophy behind your open water
1: coaching? For me, it's all about effort. Um, I don't care if you're fast. I think there's benefits to being fast but it's it's all about effort and commitment and and for me it's too much time for for both myself and the swimmer to to not put in everything like everything you have and, and i'm not saying like if you have a kid ignore your kid or you ignore your family but know there's going to be sacrifices and understand that like if you're taking this on this is your life for the next seven, eight, nine months, however long, you know, we're training for this. So for me, it's very much uh it's all about effort. And and I don't sugarcoat anything. Like if if you're on track, I tell you how you're on track. And if you're off track, we have a discussion about like why are we off track? What do we have to do get to get back on track? If if you miss a key swim, like for me that I don't I don't get mad. Like I don't get I I don't yell because at the end of the day, the swimmers only hurting themselves and they've invested a lot of money. So I'm I'm trying to help them achieve this big lifelong goal. So there's no benefit to, to, you know, beating around the bush or sugarcoating things. Like if, if we've fallen off, we need to understand you've fallen off. Why did we fall off? How do we get back on track? So, you know, for me, those are some of the key pillars is as a coach, if you put the effort in, I'm going to put the effort in and I need all the swimmers to be committed to their goal. Like this is, this is my goal. Like I'm not I don't want a swimmer who's training for 50 marathons and also, you know, a big major channel swim. Like it's just some other coaches might want that, but, um, or are willing to coach that, but I'm not, I want someone who's committed and because I'm going to put in that time as well. Uh, So that's, you know, really for me, it's, it's just about being open, honest and, 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 and giving back the effort that I'm given.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's fair. I think that's a a great philosophy to have. What what does a a week look like for your swimmers? Like do they do pool sessions? Obviously, they're in the open water in the ocean as well.
1: So for my I have swimmers all over the world. Um, so that there's benefits to that. And 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 I think the main one is a lot of my California swimmers, I'm like, I want you to do pool workouts because we need to do some speed, and there's no better place in a controlled environment for that. But you're training for these cold water swims. So you're going to be in the open water year round without a wetsuit. So, you know, a typical week, my training plan, it's not, it's not necessarily everyone's different. Everyone's training for different goals. Some, I think open or, or marathon swim philosophies, are you have to do a long swim every week. I don't really believe that you need to, if you like to, that's different. We can fit that in, but mine's all about like the four week cycle. So there's, um, there's a, a a speed week where it's lower volume, high intensity. That's where we're going to work on getting faster. There's a build week where we're starting to, you know, back off on intensity but start increasing the the volume. And then you have your 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 bulk week or your high volume week, which is where you do your long swim. Like that's that week is it's a lot of swimming. I mean, it's anywhere from depending on what you're training for, it could be up to like eighty thousand kilometers. Um, depending on your goal, if you're training for like a lesser swim, it might be thirty thousand kilometers. So it really does depend, but that's, that's a week of a lot of swimming and, uh, and, and you'll, you'll final day of that week is like your long swim. So your seven, eight, nine hour swim, and then you finish it with a recovery week where you back way off on everything, focus on technique. So it's all about following that cycle. So a typical week is, it depends on where we are in that cycle, but they're swimming anywhere, you know, usually around five days a week. Um, anywhere from an hour to four hours, and then on the bulk week, it might be you know an hour to ten hours, uh, depending on on what what our goal is and where we are in our our cycle. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of open water swimming. It's swimming in all conditions. So if it's choppy, you go out. If it's raining, you go out. If it's night, you go out because that's what you're training for is is all of those things and 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 not everyone has that luxury. Like for me, being in Boston, I can't swim in thirty degree water in a wetsuit for two hours. Like it's just not going to happen. So a lot of my training is pool focused, but it's the same same idea of 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 following that that plan of all right. I'm swimming five days a week. It's all in the pool. Some weeks are going to be speed focused. Some are volume focused, and and finding the balance.
0: Yeah no that's great i'm glad you mentioned speed there as well because i know you're a big proponent of critical swim speed i am Uh, tell us how um because a lot of endurance or open water swimmers don't put that into their program why is it important and how do you determine what your critical swim speed is
1: so it's so basically it's super important um and i like it so basically your critical swim speed is essentially what you can, your pace that you can handle when you're trained for about roughly a mile, give or take. Um, I like it because it doesn't require you to train at high end or top end speed and in marathon swimming that and, and endurance. So even Ironman or half Ironman training, it's super important because the number one way or reason why other than technique, the number one reason why swimmers get hurt in endurance sports is because they mix volume and intensity. And, and when I say intensity, we're training at 90, 100 9, percent whereas critical swim speed is more around 80, 85%. So you can still think about technique a little bit. You can still, but you're still working your VO two max. You're still improving your aerobic capacity when you're doing your critical, when you're focused on critical swim speed. So for my athletes, our speed week and our build weeks are very focused on improving our critical swim speed. Because if we can get our critical swim speed faster, that means our marathon swim pace is coming down as well. But we're not having the same wear and tear or overuse injuries that you might experience, like with traditional high intensity interval training that, you know, club swimmers or master swimmers are training. But it makes sense for them because they're doing a 50, 100, a 200. They're not doing you know, 20 mile or 40 mile swim. Yeah. So so it's a little different. You know, you, you train for you want your training to match what you're training for, not you know, not a 50. Like I tell my swimmers, I don't care what your max effort 100 is. Like it is completely irrelevant. And I don't even want you to do a single one of those. I want to know what your 10 by 100s on 10 seconds rest is, what your best average is for that set. Like that's more important to me or what your, you know, your 400 on 20 seconds rest repeating is like, that's, that's what we're working on because if that comes down, then your marathon swim speed comes down. And ultimately you don't need to be a fast swimmer to complete these swims, but when you're faster, it removes a lot of the reasons why people get like, like end to swim, where if the weather's closing in, you know, if you can swim faster, you avoid some of those things. If the currents shift, and you can swim through a current like th- these are important things if you're in the english channel and you get stuck in the shipping lane and they're like hey you have an hour where you need to you need to swim fast because these boats are not moving course for you you we're moving course for them so if you're not fast enough we got to sit here and tread water until they pass and that is not something you want to be doing no. in any swim really um so we're training for that and in the critical swim speed i just like it because it really reduces the risk of injury but makes you a far more efficient and faster swimmer for that marathon swim speed. Um, and like the easiest way. So on my website, um, and, and also like, uh, I know in Australia swim smooth is, is a, is a big, um, supporter of this type of training as well. Uh, there's a simple test set that you do and you do a 400 as hard as you can, then you do some recovery and then you do a 200 as hard as you can. And then you can plug the times into a calculator and that's ultimately your, your threshold effort or your critical swim speed. And when you do the training, the goal is not to get like 30 seconds rest. The goal is you can do, you know, several hundred, uh, at this pace or effort level with minimal rest. So five, 10, 15 seconds rest between efforts. So you can't do that. If you're doing 90% of max effort, you need a lot more recovery time. So we're really working on that VO two max and improving our swim efficiency. And, and that's, that's a lot of reasons why I like it. Um, that that it, it, it does everything we need as marathon swimmers or endurance athletes, uh, without really damaging the joints too badly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so many great takeaways from what you've just said. That's just wonderful. I think everyone listening today is going to be really happy to get that advice to take into their own open water swimming. And I know that during COVID all over the world, it's exploded open water ocean swimming because obviously mm. most pools were closed everywhere. So people are so keen to get these this kind of advice. So it's great, Craig, that you've been able to give that to us today. Fantastic. Look, I'd like to... um. I like to ask everyone fast five questions just to finish off. So not not too onerous or anything. Um, (laughs) What would be your favourite open water swim location?
1: I I swim in a lot of places. I think English Channel was because of the history behind it. Like when you're in that water and you're thinking about like Matthew Webb and like all, all these swimmers and the history behind it, like, Hyfe uh, Bay or Summers Beach in Dover. Uh, the history of it makes that my like top top location.
0: Awesome. What about your favorite pool that you've ever swum at?
1: Oh, favorite pool. Uh, I think uh, the pool was it uh, the in uh, Sydney the uh, Bondi Breakers yeah. that pool. I don't know the name of the pool, but uh, that that's that pool that's on the ocean is. It was it Bondi Icebergs sitting there or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that pool is hands down the coolest pool I've been to. It is a cool pool, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> I think you've already answered this question, wetsuit or not.
1: Never. Not- Never. Not anymore. Not anymore.
0: <laughs> Favourite swim distance now?
1: Oh. You know, I really have come to like the 20-mile distance. Yep. Like I really... It's the perfect distance because by the time you're done, it's you're like, I've had enough. I'm good. I don't need to do anymore. But when you tell people, oh yeah, I've done this or I've done that, they're like, You've swum that long. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 very inspiring, impressive, but also like not too much swimming. It's the perfect <laughs> amount.
0: How long does that normally take you to do that?
1: I mean, it depends on conditions, but anywhere from like 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. Wow. It's
0: amazing. I'm very envious. Or very <laughs> admiring of that because i would never be able to do that favorite you could do it uh, favorite pre-race training meal what do you like when you go out before your uh, your big swim on the sunday
1: so i am a big fan of high carb so there's the science between high fat high protein and and high carb i like high carb my body likes high carb so if you before like a big long swim i'm, I'm probably eating like a box of pasta just like clean or with butter, very, you know, just, just nothing too acidic and just load up the carbs.
0: Yeah. I I didn't actually ask you, but what, what do you eat during a a marathon swim? What do you, um, obviously water, but do you take any gels or any food?
1: Yeah. So I, so I, I, every summer is different. I I have had swimmers do jelly donuts. I've had swimmers do like fruit purees, but for me personally, I keep to liquids, um, because they're faster and they do what they need to do. Uh, but I do a mix of a, it's a, it's a carbohydrate drink called Carbo Pro, which is like straight carbohydrates. And I do that on my odd feeds and then on my even feeds, I do goo roctane powder. And then about every three hours I do like half a cliff bar, not so much to eat it, but more just to like move my jaw and get some, some chewing and some mouth texture. But I end up spitting most of it out. Um, and that's, that's basically what my. My ten or twelve hour swims usually look like.
0: Right. <laughs> it's been um, fantastic getting to um, hear about your swimming journey today, Craig, and sharing all your takeaways with us. So thank you so much, and best wishes for all your swimming and coaching heading forwards.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a this was a, a great a great time, great experience. So uh, I, I can't wait to to pass it on to all my swimmers.
0: Oh, fantastic! Well, thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. There you go, Bob. Thanks for listening to today's podcast with Craig. I hope you enjoyed it. You can check out more info about Craig and open water swimming through his website at liquidtry.com. Don't forget to also check out our new short form pod. It's a five minute news updates and tips called TST Quick Splash. <laughs> Till next time. Happy swimming and bye for now.